welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. This is our round 13 preview with only four games this week in the NRL uh, due to State of Origin being a week from today. So really excited about that. Uh, not a whole lot going on off the field, but still some pretty interesting stories. We'll be covering those as well as the changes in both State of Origin camps, injury suspensions, um, the team list for this week. And then we might even finish with a favourite, least favourite, overrated, underrated, sorry, overrated, underrated, favourite, least favourite. I'll get it right. Uh, to finish off the show, Jared and I have both had pretty big days. I've just come from a big night of school rugby. Friggin' love school footy. It's it's good to get along and watch. The students are all there supporting each other. And it's a really good night. It is now 9.30 on oh. Wednesday night. We're just starting. Uh, we usually almost finish by now, but we're going to truck on because we love you guys and we want to bring you Everything that we've researched and put the time into through the week to get us set for the show. So we're not going to cheap on it, even though the hour is late. How are you, Jared? Tired. Um, so Adam usually eats chocolate before the podcast and drinks alcohol uh-huh. to keep himself awake. Uh-huh. Um, I can't really use that tactic because I would fall asleep in the alcohol part at least. But I've tried the chocolate thing and we we just tried. You could hear me chewing through the microphone. Yeah, it was like a so. bloody horse. <laughs> so he's so, had the mute on. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying Adam's tactic to eat sugar this time of night to keep myself awake for the podcast. That's, That's where it. I'm at. So we're that. We're two uh, health health fanatics coming right at you talking about sport and and whatever. I had to spend a really good afternoon. Yes, that was great. Got to talk to Scotty Prince for 20 minutes. Really nice I had dude. To go. It was awesome. He was such a such an engaging guy to talk to. And as an added bonus, Beryl Friday was there as well, which I didn't who I didn't know was going to be there. And she was on the Queensland Firebirds teams for the 2015-16 back-to-back NZ Netball Championship games. So it was an awesome 20, 25 minutes. We got to interview those guys. And that's on uh, my other podcast called the bench press which is our school podcast so if you want to hear the interview we had with scotty prince talked about um his footy life and school life and yeah it's really good really fun listen uh really good interview so i'm on a bit of a high off that so ready to crack into this one anything else from you jared before we get started no i'm googling the bench press oh there you go you like it look at it look at that Adam and Mitch host this bonus episode, which is interview a former elite corporate. I'm going to have to listen to that tomorrow morning. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And yeah, uh, yeah one of my students did a really good job as his first time interviewing somebody, and it just happened to be two elite athletes. So, not a bad place to start. Can only go down from here, Mitch. There you go. No, oh, well, our, our first interview was with Kyle Flanagan, and it was hopeless. So. Oh, we were. He was great. Yeah, we, we, went, <laughs> we went real flash. Um, anyway. We'll be back with Off The Ruck, where we talk about everything going on off the field. All righty. We are going to start with a little new story out of New Zealand. So the Bulldogs have approached the Warriors in the hope of 
I don't know if poaching is the right word because they asked permission, but um, Gus Gould jumping from the Warriors to Belmore to become uh, GM and head of football operations there, which is a current which is currently a vacant post at Canterbury. However, Gus has quietly said no. Um, he's no interest in that. His interest at the moment is turning the Warriors into a premiership force. Um, solid tip there and, and good to hear if you're a Warriors fan, I assume for most of you, and a Warriors club because of Gould's wealth of knowledge. And Jared mentioned before the pod, he's in his element here with regards to player development and um, uh, what's the word on the culture development and, and getting the club yeah. on the right track for sustained success. You look at what Penrith is doing now, and he was a big part in that, uh, despite how he left or, or whatever <clears throat> side of the story you believe there. I'm looking at this more from a Canary point of view where it's good that they're looking for someone within the game with football passion and knowledge. However, I am a little concerned that they're trying to get someone taken from another club who's only been there for such a short period of time. Does that mean they've got quite a short list that they're looking at or they're struggling to find a candidate who they believe would actually be worth the time? I reckon they're, they're just going for the big guns. Honestly. Bulldogs is flying like Barrett. No, well, see that they're flying in that over some. Barrett's probably got the best. Um, well, he's got the best coach in the in in the world backing him up. Who's his own personal sounding board and Steve Hansen. So they've got some. They they they're just going going for the big guns. Essentially, that's what they're trying to do to rebuild them. Um, I can look at it from that point of view. I don't mind that at all. Yeah. So, look, they've got out of a car. They've they've spoken to every. They've made a what what's the word a approach to every big off contract player in the last two years, mm-hmm. and now they're doing it for their back of house as well. So, from their perspective, why the hell not? If you've got the money, see if anyone's interested. True. And like, I think they met. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I don't even think. I don't even agree with the thought that came into my own head then. Um, this is coming off the back of Gould traveling to New Zealand for the first time since he took up the role with the Warriors and meeting some of the people he's been talking to on Zoom face to face for the first time. And then also catching up with people like Tony Iroh and Stacey Jones, uh, who are part of the development and pathways programs at the Warriors. And I don't know. To me, it's a it's a good sign to see him saying that. I, I think the Warriors are starting to show what they can uh, become in games. They're winning games differently to how they have in the past. And to me, that's a a good thing to see, not just from the club, but from a league point of view, and attracting players of the calibre of Murdoch Masilla coming back, Reese Walsh obviously going over there. Um, I think the club's heading in the right direction. I think it's a good thing that that Gould's decided to stay on and the search for a GM um, front of house, I guess, for the Bulldogs will continue. All righty. For me, for the, in, in that one, I don't think he has anything to do with the NRL squad. Cool. I think he's... Yeah, I reckon he's... Like, I know he can't go over there, but I reckon he's scouting those two islands over in New Zealand for the past. Well, he's over there at town. the moment, I think. Well, yeah, he's probably scouring that that whole country, looking for the best junior talent and trying to lure them away from rugby league because that's what he's that's what he did at Penrith, 
he made that development pathway probably the best in the NRL. And New Zealand have probably the what's it the biggest mine of Nursery. untapped talent in that in that whole country. Mm. Um, that even if he gets five or six converts from rugby union, because let's face it, they're going to have to convert them over there. Mm. He gets five or six really decent converts in the same line as Elise Katoa. Five years time, you you know you get them when they're 14, 15. Five years time, they're going to be hard to bet, hard yeah. team to beat. It's going to be insane. And rugby league's done that a lot better than rugby union has done the other way. Rugby union tends to poach back the NRL players when they're at star level, kind of like your Sailor, your Takiris, your Matt Rogers, uh, your Flowers, etc. Yeah, Australia. Whereas um, league seems to get them before you look at Angus Crichton, you look at uh, Vunavalu. Um, Obviously, you already mentioned. If, imagine in New Zealand if Gould found the Barrett brothers 10 years ago, 20, 15 years ago. Oh, I thought you were like ima- Trent Barrett had a brother. Um, no, no. You no, mean Jordy and Barrett. Yeah. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, like if he, Jordy if they can... and Bowden and... I can't remember the third one. Sam? Yeah, no, it's not if he could, if he can find that family, he's got that talent and bring him to New Zealand or you know Scott Scott Barrett, thank you. Yeah, if you if he can find that talent because they've just been all black mainstays, absolute superstars, and they just keep churning them, mm. those brothers out. If he can if he can swing that for the Warriors, he's done his job. Then he can go to Bulldogs and try that because he he he's, he's already proven he can fucking do it. Look at yeah, true. Everett right now. All right, so I'm keeping an eye on. All right, um, Blake Ferguson, uh, casualty of performance of a teammate, or he's just the one taking the fall for a combined uh, lack of performance. So Blake Ferguson has not only been selected in New South Wales Origin squad, but he's also been dropped from Parramatta down to their New South Wales Cup side for this weekend's match, uh, based on the fact that the pairing between of him and Wanga Blake on Parramatta's right edge has led in 11 tries in two weeks. So for those doing maths at home, that's five and a half tries a game. Probably won't allow you to win games, and it hasn't. Um, so just so you know, he hasn't been named in New South Wales Cup scheme. He hasn't? Nope. Okay. Ooh. All right. Um. Well, it says, yeah, he's in reserve. He hasn't been named yet, but that's... When do they play? They're not Sunday till... afternoon. Yeah, okay, so they've got time. Um, Blake was named at centre on Brad Arthur's team list despite playing left centre, so they're switching sides with Tom Opacek. I, I, defence has never been one of Ferguson's strong, strong suits, but it's definitely not been one of one of Blake's ever either. Honestly, in my opinion, Ferguson still adds more to a Parramatta side than Wonga Blake does. Wonga Blake's more easily replaceable. We saw what Murata Niakore was able to do there. And to me, at this level, I know that teams are coached to move in to ensure that the last pass is given, or they should be. The winger's kind of at the mercy of the centre more often than the centre's at the mercy of the winger. So if you're playing wing and your centre rushes up, you pretty much have to do the same thing. Otherwise you're leaving a gap between you and the center and the, whoever gets the ball on the other side is going to run further in field to score a try. So 
for me, this is. I don't know. Um, this is this all depends on Brad Arthur's structure. So, in um, teams, what you do is you nominate a guy on each side who calls whether you shoot or whether you hold back. Um, Genuinely, it's the most senior player on each side. So you go, you go that, or, or a guy can defensive, like can actually read a defensive pattern or attacking pattern. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, so if on that side Ferguson is the one making the calls, definitely have to drop him because he's not would, making the right calls defensively. Do, do you ever think a winger would be put in the decision to make those calls? He he's got the most time to see what's going on. He does, but he also has the fastest moving players coming towards him. And so no, much, I'm just saying cent- so much can happen on the inside of the winger. Yeah, so so the center is the hardest defensive position in the game. Mm. You're coming, it's guys coming at both your shoulders. Yeah. In high, high yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it honestly depends, like I said, on Brad Arthur's structures. There's plus and minuses to both. The question I've got to Parramatta fans is what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Um, you've got a team that if you look at it, you do not have, you probably only have one, two or three defense minded players in that entire starting 13. Mm-hmm. You probably got Marnie, Papali and the aggressive one in Brown. The rest mm-hmm. of them, I would put attack stats higher than defense stats. Maybe possibly Tom Opacek. But the reality of it is that they have assembled a team that is not based on defense. Their theory is to score more points than the other squad. Because of that, Brad Arthur's reaction is to drop the winger. (laughs) This is what I don't understand. So he's got Marnie in the middle who makes 60 tackles a game because their their two front rollers are attacking front rollers. They're offloading their step, all that kind of stuff. Um, so Marnie's the only one who tackles in the middle, really. Nathan Brown will put a hit on every so often, but he's not a guy who's going to make 40, 50 tackles a game yeah, like true. Dale Finucane. Um, So I want to ask, why are you complaining about your defense when you've got 13 blokes who run on that field at the start who are only attacking players? That, that I, it, I don't understand Parramatta because... Yes, you need that attack and then Flynn, which they have got it, but you got to admit they're very on, often, often on this this Parramatta squad. They're very like they can rip okay. through Pembroke. They can rip through Pembroke their attack on their day, but if they're not on their day, the defensive is going to put seventy points on at the same time. Um, yeah, I, like if if you're going to hook a guy for a defensive decision, I would not be going out to the winger when you've got a team like that. I would be moving that in a pit further for, in the middle somewhere. Yeah, and, and anyone who watched, uh, especially the South game, the left edge of, and there's a reason why we called last episode Rabbitohs Represent. It was Indigenous round and you had Cody Walker, Dane Gagai, Latrell Mitchell and Alex Johnson, four of our Indigenous players link up and it was beautiful footy. I don't care what your back line is in defence, if you don't slow that down from the inside out, you're going to get caught out. And the highlight, sorry, the spotlight comes on the winger in the center because yes, center is the hardest position. I agree with Jared. Um, further in the field, yeah, you can have players running at either shoulder, but you've also got more defenders around you on either side. The center has a winger and a half generally. Um, 
this comes back to coaching. Melbourne mm-hmm. and Manly, when they had their big rivalry for that three, four year period, they were the two best teams at the up and in defense. Um, not a lot of teams wanted or tried to get around Manly because the structure was you go up, um, up in the middle. Uh, sorry, you, you hold the middle and then go up on the edges. And umbrella if you ran, defense. yeah, up uh, umbrella defense. Um, but no, no, it's, it's more of a, it's more the opposite in the backs because the wingers and the, the centers would push up and force you to go around. And if you try to do that to Manly on one edge, Steve Maddow had shot you. If you did get around the shot, it was generally a forced pass. If you did score around Manly, it's because your ball movement was good enough to get around them. Which they relied on, which was, they're like, if you guys can get around us, good on you. Because you're scoring in the corners. That's fine. I'd rather yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> the difference when you watch Rabbitohs and Parramatta, it wasn't because South had to be good enough to get around Parramatta. It was South was so good, it was forcing Parramatta to come up and in too early, which gave them literally, Alex Johnson ran over with four or five metres of space for some of those tries. It wasn't even close. The difference here is how much are they practicing the up and in defense on the training field? Melbourne still do it. They've been doing it for a decade and people still can't get around them because they rush up. You see Justin Olam on one side. You'll see Remy Smith and George Jennings got caught out a fair few times in the first few rounds, but they've shored up they that partnership. Up. They fixed it up and up and, in, up and in, and then you can slide if you need to. If it's coached, if it's coached well, and if it's executed well, it's a really good strategy, but everyone has to be on the same page. The fact that he's dropped the winger either means he wasn't hold, he wasn't coming up fast enough, he wasn't in the right position or whatever, or they're just not training to defend like that, and that's on Arthur, not the players. See, I actually mentioned this at in our first review, because when Bulldogs, I'm sorry, when Parramatta played Broncos, in the first round, when pa- Broncos scored that 16 points in mm-hmm. 20 minutes or whatever the hell yeah. it was, that's what they're doing, the attacking the edges. And I actually said that podcast, Does Nath- did Brad Arthur not review last year's taste? Because that's exactly the same problem they had last year. Yeah. And Kevin Walters, he didn't even have to be a good coach to go, hey guys, let's attack on the edges. This is not... Uh, two-week pro- problem yeah. that's going to be solved, um, you know, by dropping your most senior winger. And let's face it, Mike Sebo is not the best, best defensive player in the competition either. Nope. Um, this has been an 18th month problem. This has been a problem since... Pa- and this is where, if they don't pick up their game, you can essentially put a line through them for the rest of the year. Because even if they do make the top eight, in, when it comes to finals and crunch time, you don't think Melbourne are just going to methodically tear apart that edge to make it look, put it into a shambles. Mm. You, you got another thing coming. And you, this is the question to Brad Arthur. Is he a good enough coach to pull him out of this hole? Mm, it's the same hole that they've been in for like three years. So Exactly. And this is why I think Brad Arthur should be under the most pressure in the NRL because he has developed a team, as I said, full of attack, but he's not fixed the problem that you've just said for three years. He's not fixed the same problem. And all he'd have to do was 
he he actually went a good step because I think Tom Apacheck is a better defender than I'm giving him credit for. Mm. But all he has to do is either drop Wong or Blake because I don't think he's a defensive center at all, and he's not mm. even he's not glitzing the world up in attack right now either. Oh, yeah, and, that glitzing the world, love it. I love it. Um, you know, by he's a strong defensive center. You know what? No. No, someone else. Josh There's Morris. Got to be someone else. Oh, so if he had a Morris twin there, that would just they'd, they'd just walk in there. He'd go do this, and they'd be like, "Huh? What's tackling?" Oh, okay. So I'm just watching. I'm watching some of the highlights now of the tries last weekend. So the first one, oh, Damien Cook scored through the middle. But the second one, I'm saying, all right. So Ferguson's um, defending outside um, Opacek in the game against the Rabbits. And yeah, everyone's gone up. So you've got Ferguson's about three metres behind Opacek, behind the the half. So by the time he's caught up to the rest of the back line. They've created a hole already. See, yeah, but then the re- the reads on the inside were horrible anyway because the two of the inside, the um, Jacob Arthur and Opacek both went for the same man. Well, so regardless of what happened, that, that was that's screwed. just the lack of communication right there. Okay, that's all right. So, anyway. we've pretty much. I mean, are you ruling Parramatta out for the season because of this? I'm not ruling them out of making finals. I'm ruling them out of getting any further in the first round. I think Jacob, okay. uh, Jacob, I think Brad Arthur's done everything he can for that side. He's gotten them from the bottom up to the finals consistently, but they need a change to get to the top. Yeah. And so, name a coach you reckon you could change his team around. Um, who else is free right now? I'm doing uh, a good old podcasting of staying silent while I think. McGregor? Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. That's but- the thing, though. You look at the last 10 years, there's been very few coaches that have been able to get their team over that hump. And they're Can- the ones. I had a question. Like- like Robinson, when he came in at the Roosters, got them up very quick. He had that bad season, then got them straight back up there. Um, Bellamy's never been at. Bellamy seems to have never fallen out, even once he they've pulled been him out of salary them. cap drama, though. Yeah, and and even I was saying, even though they've lost their literally immortal talent, um, has kept them relevant. <sighs> okay, I got a question for you. There's a, honestly, like, I hate to say it, I'd love to see Hasler over there. Um, all right, we're, going, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but I can't. I, I will get back to what we're talking about right now. So, Nico Hines is signed with Canelo, right? Cool, for Let's a three year deal. Well, no, 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 it comes back to what we're talking about. You know how uh, I get into these really weird ways, but I've eventually tied it all up together. Um, Nico Hines signed with Canelo for three years for $1.8 million. Fuck you, Broncos, right then and there. This is the chocolate in me for swearing constantly. Um, <laughs> so, because of that, there, there's always a theory, and it's been mentioned a few times. You got to be, when you're a really good player in Melbourne, you um, go to another club and a lot of money, and you a lot of them have struggled when you're a good player in Melbourne, and then they kind of peter out, and it's not as flash as they used to. There's always, there's a million theories for that, yada, yada, yada. Our new superstar players survive, Greg Inglis. 
is a mention of that. Cooper Cronk. Cooper Cronk survived. Out of all the assistant coaches that come out of Newcastle, uh, sorry, Melbourne, how many of them have succeeded? So you've got Stephen Kearney, uh-huh. Adam O'Brien, uh-huh. Anthony Seabold. Uh-huh. Um, there's there's definitely more. I've, I've um, been keeping track of Riles, so I don't know how he's going over in UK. Yeah, so everyone goes, oh, look Walters. to Melbourne to find their assistant coaches. Look to Roosters to find their assistant coaches. Next year is going to be a big test for Craig Fitzgibbon. Um, I don't know who the next coaching superstar assistant coach on the block is, but would you take him out of Melbourne with the track record they've got of them leading that organisation? I'm hell confused about where this segue is going. Um, well, it, you're talking about Brad Arthur doing everything he can for Parramatta and we're just mm-hmm. having a question about... Um, who the next coach could be power, who's free, mm. who would you would you take one, a Melbourne assistant coach no. with that background? You wouldn't? Not because of that background, because Brad Arthur came from Manly as an assistant coach. He also wasn't Manly. I'm not talking about Brad Arthur. I'm yeah, I know, but he came from the assistant coaching position. And I think he's done... I think you need to bring in someone who's already a head coach and has the experience with the rebuilding and all that sort of stuff to come in and be like, all right, I've got a good roster. I just need to now win. Um, whether that's a uh, kind of like what Michael Maguire did at South Sydney, or if it's like a, um, maybe even, you know what, maybe even a Shane Flanagan for what he did at Cronulla with a pretty stacked roster that held them together. Okay. And when you look at that grand final, um, Cronulla versus Storm, that was probably the two of the most stacked rosters, I guess, going against each other in the grand final outside of um, Roosters Melbourne. Okay, hold up, hold up. Brad Arthur originally was Melbourne's assistant coach. Yeah, but he was also assistant at Manly as well. Yeah, and Parramatta before. He went yeah, Melbourne, I, I think, got fired by Ricky Stewart, then went to Manly. I think they need a hard ass just to come in, someone who's going to tie their defence up and not be afraid to make bigger decisions and drop in a winger. So someone like a Maguire or a Hazard, obviously Bellamy, but everyone wants Bellamy. I don't um, think there's anyone out there right now. I think the, the no. coaching stocks right now are shit. Shane Flanagan coming off, con- um, uh, coming, Newcastle, becoming available. Newcastle wanted him. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked um, if you look at some of the commentaries made this year. It's pretty cut and dry, and I've actually appreciated it. If you pretend not to hear, I see whose yeah. name is. But anyway, you know, it'd help out Parramatta and solve some of their issues. It'd be Nico Hines because you could just put him anywhere. He's going to the Sharks. So there's been talk. Storm obviously wanted to keep keep him. Bellamy said they want to keep him. Um, Nico Hines wanted to stay, but there's just no possibility for him to be there. He's better than a utility player. His positions are 5'8 and fullback. He's pretty much being guaranteed the 5'8 position at Cronulla moving forward from 2022 onwards, a three-year deal worth $1.8 million. So double what his management put out that they were asking for. Uh, 600k a year on average to be the Sharks 5'8 next year. You put him outside Sean Johnson, I'd be a pretty happy Shark supporter. 
You have um, him with up. Will Kennedy at fullback. Sorry. <laughs> so, about that Sean Johnson thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> when did this come up? What are you about to hit me with? Well, I'll just confirm it, but they are... Um, shopping him? Well, you can't. Yes. It's off contract, so you can't shop Essentially, him. they're getting rid of him. They're looking at re-signing Moylan to play in the halves with Hines. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't yeah, see that's, how that's, that's working. Yeah, so that's... Um, when did that come up? This afternoon. They're looking at re-signing Hines and releasing town uh, Johnson not extending his contract. Okay, so um, what... And then... Ha- and then having Will Kennedy play fullback, which I agree with. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's the one that you keep at fullback. Um, I he's don't agree with... I would, Johnson and Hines, there's no real organising half there, but that's way better than Moylan and Hines. And so, to be honest, to be honest, I, I'm not 100% set on Nico Hines playing 5'8". I, 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 I am. I think I see five eight and fullback as the same position no, for that sort of no, player. No, not not the way Hines plays. Not no, really I think it is. No, he's like so, a monster five eight. For for me, no, he doesn't have as much flair. He's a runner. Yeah, I know. Um, the thing of monster when he was at fullback. The only thing so, he's really added at five eight is better kicking. So for me, I see a Hines as a schemer, as a guy standing behind. For free tackles, identifying a problem, and then going, mate, set up X, Y, Z out the right. And that's how I think he's getting most of his things through Melbourne. Yeah. I don't see him as the guy having to touch the ball three, four times a set, setting everything up. I think he's the guy you inject instead of putting people through holes. That's how I see Heinz. I love him at fullback. I think that's his easily his best position. Yes, so do I, honestly. Um, and I think him running off Reynolds at Broncos was the ideal situation. Having him learning 5-8 at NRL standard, like he's obviously played 5-8 for juniors and all that kind mm. of stuff. If this report is true that Moylan is the priority to re-sign over Johnson, He's going to be learning from a guy who for the last seven years in the NRL had, hasn't actually known what his best position nope. is because he's flocked around everywhere. I, 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 yeah, so this is going to be a massive test on Craig Fitzgibbon because he's got a rookie halves pairing. And what scares me is Moylan is a runner. He's not an organiser. He's not He's kicking games rocks and diamonds at the best of times he's not a controlling half mm-hmm. um not saying that sean johnson is but he's got a lot more strings to his bow than matt moylan does and so i see if you've got sean johnson as your half you can inject nico hines on the third or the fourth and he can sit back and pick and choose his moments because team sean johnson's the sort of player where if you sleep on him because you're focused on the 5-8, he's going to rip you to shreds. So mm. you can't focus on one or the other. Johnson will do his thing, and he's a better reader of the play also as than Moylan is. So he'll be able to give Hines the ball at the right time more often than not. Um, I do don't... Not... 
There's too much yeah. pressure on Moylan, I think, and he's not the sort of player who has shown he handles that sort of pressure well consistently. Um, and do you know what? What I would do is I'd, I'd actually keep all three of them. I'll put Moylan in the 14 jersey next year. I reckon it's a way better use of his talent to bring him on when they need him, uh, causing havoc around the middle. And that way you've got Will Kennedy, Matt Moylan, Sean Johnson, Nico Hines on the field at the same time. I reckon it's way better. Mm. Um, also, moving on to the Broncos, um, uh, uh, do you think they're going to stick with having Asako at fullback or they're going to go to... Because it's, other than Matt Dufty, there's no other fullbacks on the market. If they'd sign Nico Hines, he'd be playing fullback. Exactly. Um, I reckon Broncos have screwed the Poochie. They should have chased him hard. I, I don't, I, you text me that saying. I don't understand it. It's fucked up. Yeah, but why Why would it... What, what screwed the... Anyway. All right. So I, I'm going to look up the... the background of that saying. Yeah, I've never I just, know, I just know the connotation behind it. So... Mitchell Pierce. Keep going. <sighs> what's the biggest... To me, all right, what's the biggest thing that stands out about both Sean Johnson and Matt Moylan's careers that they've had in common? Sean Johnson... And Matt Moylan. So Matt Moylan is a Injuries. very... Injuries. No, no. That's all no. I'm saying. Injuries? No, yeah. for me, is unknown. I, no, I just think no, that... I'm saying, like, if you're making, if you're the club GM, and you're making the decision to pick Moylan over Johnson, knowing that Nico Hines is coming at five A, I'm trying to find reasoning why Moylan will be your decision, like your your choice, because the biggest thing with Moylan is we know he's good, but he's never on the field long enough to showcase it. Sean Johnson's had his fair share of injuries as well. What's the age difference? That's the only other thing I could think of. Tying up Moylan because he's younger. Do you know how old's Moylan? I'm looking it up now. No, no, I've got it here. I just want to see if you know. I've already done that. Oh, he'd be about 27. He's 29. Yeah, okay. How old's Sean Johnson? 27? 30. Um, Yeah, there's no difference there. But this is a big difference. This is a difference. Matt Moylan's 29 years old. He's been in the NRL since 2013. This is his ninth season. He's played 142 games in nine years. That averages out at 15.7 games a season. So he's missing 10 games a season. Yeah, you're looking at, well, nine games if you're looking at, if you take the buyout or whatever when when it shifts. But yeah, he's missing nine games a season. Sean Johnson's 30 years old, one year older. He's been in the comp for 11 years. So two extra years. He's played 200 games at an average of 18 games a season. So you're getting an extra three games a season. Neither of them are perfect. You're still missing, what, six games. But you're getting an extra three games out of a player who has a greater all-round game um, and, to me, has a better part or has a better chance of... uh, Combining squad. Yeah, well, when, when you have Nico Hines and Sean Johnson, to me, that is an easier fit than Moylan and Hines because of the similarities they have. I, I just yeah. don't understand the reasoning there by the Sharks, but 
if Johnson's going to be on the market at the end of the season, um, there'll, there'll be clubs new- looking to line him up for a two-year deal. I hope Newcastle sign him. That'd be awesome. You won't. You just got Clifford. Yeah, um, put, it, put 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 someone on the bench. I don't care. Put him in the squad. Put him in the centres. I don't know. He, he won't. He won't be going anywhere unless he's playing halfback or. or Five eight. Yeah, so anyway, but, well done. Well done to the Sharks to pick up. Please don't screw it up from now on. So if you look at the Sharks retention at the moment, Toby Rudolph, Connor Tracy, Will Kennedy, um, Nico Hines, they're doing pretty well for themselves. I, do you know what I would do if I was the Broncos? I would put um, Milford at fullback for 300 grand a year. I'd put, I'd buy Johnson All right, for the let's move on, 700,000. Eh? Um, Reynolds and Johnson, the same squad. No, nah, Tony Staggs is playing 5'8". That was part of his That's disgusting. Game. All right, so let's go on to hard hits, which is our injuries and suspensions segment. And we always have a quick break where we grab a bite to eat. So I'm going to press the stop and we'll be back in a sec. <laughs> So the big one here in the injuries, uh, there's two really, is both concerning State of Origin. So Kalen Ponga has been ruled out of State of Origin 1 in with not overcoming his groin injury. He's been released and he's back with the Knights to continue his rehab. Um, no one has been brought in at this stage, I believe, you know, the Queensland side. Um We'll get, we'll get to the Reed Marnie news when we focus on state of origin as well. But yeah, Kalen Pong is out of origin due to a groin injury. Uh, you look at from the New South Wales front, uh, what's his, uh, Tyson Frizzell is out for six weeks, I believe, after undergoing ankle surgery to, to fix an issue there. Um, Cam Munster foot, Christian Welch knee, both missed a fan's day in Bundaberg as they continue rehab. Um, Harry Grant has given himself the green light and will be good to go, which leads to Reed Marnie being released from the State of Origin camp. James Tedesco and Payne Haas both took part in the Blues' first training run today, albeit in non-contact jerseys. Uh, Josh Adekar trained strongly. Um, sorry, I said Tyson Frills had, sorry, he's booked him for surgery. That's my bad. Corey Horsburgh is set to miss six to eight weeks after dislocating his wrist in the loss of the Roosters. And this is probably the goriest injury of this of the weekend so zach sadler uh manly second row oh. come off the bench had a head head collision in the i'm gonna Newcastle say the tapau tackle no no it was a different one it was he he collided with suasso suit suasso suit and it was a oh that's right because they were having a look on the thing it was a head head on head collision um he's been cleared of a serious brain injury however he has to undergo reconstructive surgery on part of his skull after suffering a depressed fracture. So basically his skull was indented. Uh, there's a dent in his skull right now based on the impact of the collision. Um, so he'll be facing an indefinite period on the sidelines. So Zach Sadler is a very hardworking young player. He's worked his way into the Manly squad, albeit injuries has sped up the process in my opinion he's a good hard-working player and this is just a very cruel blow to him um but with this sort of injury take as long as you need to get back buddy because your skull and brain are not something to be playing around yeah with. and to be honest isn't it isn't exactly like they can fix um what's going on with him yes physically it's more him getting 
coming back and having the mental fortitude to get back into those collisions. Yes. That will be the hardest part. Um, I hope he does come back because, you know, he, he deserves it. He's quite a good young player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish him all the best in his recovery mentally and physically. But on that, how Suspension? fucking shit oh. is Newcastle right now with the injuries and the suspensions we're getting? Like, come on. Oh, we're we about to go into suspensions. Of, Here we go. Oh, yeah, you lost Brazil to injury. Three of our starting Ford pack for this weekend and how are our three best players. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see it when we get to team list. But uh, if we go to judiciary, both Luciano Leilua and Felice Cafusi were both found, uh, were found non-guilty of their charges. Uh, so Cafusi will be free to play State of Origin 1 and Luciano Leilua will, will be free to play this week um, when they take on Penrith. Um, having a look as the rest as we go through. Yeah, no, no other updates um, from judiciary. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Leilu was found. That was on Blake Laurie. Yeah, they were the two big ones from that. Um, from the night. Okay. We talk about Origin and the changes that it has um, with the team lists. And that'll be pretty much taking us to the end of the show where we'll have a little quiz. All right, so we're going to have a little period here. We're going to talk about State of Origin. Um, so Queensland has released Reed Marnie to play for Parramatta this weekend, and they have also lost Callum Ponga due to injury. So the, the question now is who are they going to put at fullback? It's pretty much between AJ Brimson and Valentine Holmes. Uh, what's your feel at the moment, Jared? What would oh, your decision so- be? With this kind of stuff, when you're discussing a utility and you've got two players in the mix and one yep. of them go one position, you got to figure out who can play the most positions coming off the bat. Mm-hmm. And that's AJ Brimson. And the who benefit can, of that who is, are you? Who's the other player you'd have in consideration? Val Holmes at fullback, Cole Felt at wing. Yeah, you know, but you're talking about the versatility of coming off the bench. No, no, no. So what I'm saying is that right now, you've got to find a bench player. Um. Oh, okay. So sorry. Yeah. yeah what yeah, I would do that. is put Val Holmes at fullback, put yes. Carl Feld in the wing. I, that's how I see it. Um, at, because out of the Val, the only two contenders would be Val Holmes and AJ Brimson. Yes. Um, they've got rid of Marnie, so they need a utility on the bench. Yeah. Um. So one of those, and Brimson was 19th man. So one of those two have got to go on the field. Both of them going to go somewhere. Yeah. Val Holmes would go in. Put Kyle Feld in the wing, which I think is amazing. He's just been yeah. such a constant. He's already player, played like, through and through. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and then Prince could play more positions than Val, Val Holmes can, uh-huh. so I put him on on the bench. Come uh, and Val Holmes at fullback. Which the benefit of that is that Val Holmes is in way better form than probably Ponga right now and yeah. Brimson. Yeah. So it, it I think. The release of Marnie before the news of the Ponga not overcoming the injury pretty much made it cut and dry for Queensland. Uh, in my ideal situation, I had Reed Marnie starting with Harry Grant coming off the bench, but with the release of Marnie, it makes it pretty obvious. So Harry Grant will be playing 80 minutes uh, with an injury. AJ Brimson comes into your utility role at 14. Holmes shifts the fullback and Felt comes in on the wing for a deserved debut. 
The only other option was Brimson to play at fullback. Holmes keeps his position on the wing and you bring in um, somebody onto the bench, which would have been, who was the other player they had instead of Felt? Um, what do you mean? Under the bench. Oh, well, they had Marnie on the bench. He was the yeah, but he's already been released, so it'd be... Felt, I guess, on the bench, which wouldn't made of any wouldn't made any sense because they've already released Marnie. Yeah, so to me, that's that's pretty cut and dry how it's going to be. So, oh, in I, our, actually, I still think the biggest weak it. link is Kate Will in the centres. And if I was Tom Trebojevic or Latrell Mitchell, actually, if I was Brad Fittler, I'd say give the ball to them and run around him, please. Oh, I'm actually really curious about Kaylin Ponger right now. So. He's getting injury big, after injury, isn't he? Well, no, it's it's not even that. It's it, it's his recovery. So he was ruled out two weeks ago or three weeks ago, sorry, and then he wasn't named a week later. And then this game last weekend, he was named but pulled out forty eight hours before when you're supposed to do it. And then he was named in Origin. What Newcastle played on the Sunday, he's named in Origin the next day, and then two days later, he's pulled out of that. So is there literally no communication between Newcastle and the Queensland squad to go, mate, he's not ready, essentially. And when will he play for Newcastle next? Because obviously he's ruled himself out of this weekend because he can't play Origin. But will he play on the Saturday after Origin? Um, it's, it's like, I understand. See, he's got a groin injury. The way he plays, he would put a lot of stress on his groin because yeah. he moves in a lot of directions. Um, he has a lot of high-impact running, jumping, and all that kind of stuff, more, more than most people, just because of his running style. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious. Like, did Newcastle really not represent his injury correctly by naming him last week for first? And did that... Frost Spenner works at at Maroons because did they go, oh, look, he named him last week. So they thought he's available this weekend. He must have just been like pulled up a little bit lame. Surely he's right in a week and a half. Um, No, I'm I'm super curious about this whole thing because it also came out, and I don't know how much true it is, that Ponga didn't even want to be named because he thought his groin was 100% not not okay. It's just... I'd say no on both accounts because Knights would never name their star and their star player unless he's 100%. So they felt as though there's a chance he was going to be 100%. And when that chance didn't eventuate, they cut him. There's no need for Newcastle to communicate with the Maroons because at club level... No, they don't have to because at club level, they don't want... Clubs don't want their players playing Origin because it weakens their club side. And they have to pay yeah, him. They're going to play eventually. Origin, so they've got to do everything they can to protect them. Sorry. Yeah, but there's nothing Newcastle need to say. And if Queensland want to take the risk of naming him in the squad, because they'll have their own doctors and physios that'll assess him um, outside of Newcastle. And then they say, you know what? Yeah, okay. There's no chance. They'd rather take that chance, bring him into camp, than rely on the club doctor, who's going to be, in my opinion, much more. Um, club focus and origin yeah so it's a risk they took with Munster like Munster had to get checked off by the Melbourne Storm doctors before he was even allowed to go into camp Um, to me it's that same sort of situation 
I'm just it, it, it's just a weird timeline. Like it is. The only it's, thing, it's like, but groin injuries are like that. They can feel better one day and then they do yeah. something at training where they push reckon, it that little bit and redo it. And I, don't know. I honestly reckon that on the Friday after he was named for Newcastle last week, he's he's gone for a run and exacerbated it. Yeah, it could have been, and it's just not reported. And it's part it's part of the case. rehab that they've got to get back to 100 yeah, percent training just, before they can even replicate a game scenario. I, I, I honestly don't think the full story is come out about this. Um, it's just so strange. Like every year you hear a new, uh, or a Queensland player getting hurt or having the sniffles or, you know, having pneumonia and a collapsed lung, but they're still able to play. Um, that's just the Queensland story they bring out every single week, every single year. But I'm, we have I've to have less players to choose from. It's, it's, just, it's just part <laughs> you, of it. You guys had the play running for you guys every year. That's the reality of it. Um, I'm, I'm just curious because you never see one guy get named and then they're like, all these headlines saying he's hurt. And then two days later, he pulls the pin. I've, I've, that doesn't happen for the Maroons. No, no, no. Um, they but... usually pull their socks up and play the next week despite having the plague. You talk about um, yeah, not having the plague. Queensland also doesn't have COVID, hence why State of Origin 1 uh-huh. has been moved to Townsville, which we didn't even talk about last episode. And... Um, a lot of New South Wales fans are blowing up deluxe about it. Look, was there $8 million put up by Anastasia Palaszczuk to get it into Queensland? Probably. And um, that's still less than I believe the NRL would have earned going to Melbourne or Perth or Adelaide uh, for the first game. However, Queensland's been the strictest on the COVID lockdowns etc and going to far north queensland where there's been minimal outbreaks um seems the safest option and it's just the world that we live in it's i I can see why it sucks for new south wales supporters it's the first time since 1982 that the first two games will be in the same state um if we went back to the uh, to the process that i still enjoy the most where there's two games in one state one in the other state and that alternates each year Technically, it would be Queensland's year for two games, but that would be the first and the third, not the first and the second. Yeah. So now, from the New that, South Wales point of view, I think they've come out and said the right thing, um, that the rectangle of turf at in Townsville is the same size as the rectangle of turf at the MCG. It's the same size as the rectangle of turf in New South Wales. The difference is this... I can't wait to see what this crowd's going to be like. It's going to be the craziest, most parochial origin crowd since literally, I don't know when. Like, this is going to be crazy country origin, bloodthirsty crowd. All right, I'm going to preface this by saying that I have... Preface this, not prefaces. Shut up. It's it's 12 o'clock, okay? Um, I'm going to preface preface this by saying i 100% agree with um it going to north queensland one they deserve it two covid and three it's going to be awesome it is going to be awesome players are going to love it um so unless you're staying in new south wales hotel if anyone saw that that the thing about it is that they this is this is what they call we needed to find another neutral venue okay i want you to imagine going this is a not a neutral venue oh, it's not it's, 
The so, NRL's first plan was to find a neutral venue, but there's this thing called COVID that kind of puts plans. Yeah. So imagine oh. walking into a forest and going to the clearing and then getting attacked by like two wolves. That's what Lang Park is going to be like. Oh, here we go. Going up to North Queensland is going four days into the forest and then getting attacked by every wolf in the forest. This is what it's going to be like for New South Wales. It is just going to be nuts, uh, like Adam said, which is thing. But I want to go back to something you said last podcast about the crowd because you brought up that the Newcastle penalty compared to penalty rate oh, yeah. compared to opposition teams, and you said it was like what twenty nine to two mm. in or sorry, something like that mm. um, in the four or five games Newcastle played there. One of the reasons you said that was the crowd. This crowd mm. is going to dictate this game. Oh, yeah. That's part not, of not, origin. Not, that's why it's so hard to win away. Yeah, not extremely, but it's going to dictate it. So if New, if New South Wales can win here, it'd be very impressive. On the other hand, if they lose, it looks like there's going to be, the dead rubber is going to be in New South Wales because winning at Lang Park, there's going to be a percentage of like 4%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, the the biggest worry I think for the NRL here is, and if people are saying NRL's got a bias towards Queensland, rah rah rah, no, nah. the NRL makes its decisions based on the bottom line profits and what's best for the game. If Queensland's up two nil going to New South Wales, what do you expect the ticket sales to be like? The oh, NRL, the NRL is hoping, hoping, regardless of what they say, they're hoping New South Wales wins one of these games, so the third mm-hmm. game's not a write off. There's no way. Regardless of the sellout that's going to happen at um, in Townsville and Suncorp, you add the capacity of those stadiums together, you've got uh, 55 and 25, so you've got 80,000. If you put those stadiums together, ANZ holds 85 by itself. Um, if it's a dead rubber, what, 30,000 maybe? Oh, Maybe. Maybe, Maybe you're, you're missing out an entire Suncorp Stadium worth of um, supporters. If it's one all, you've got 80,000 there. So that's an extra 30,000 tickets at origin prices. Do you, do you um, know this what... is not the outcome the NRL wanted. I, it's I the only say... one, unless they want to take it to Tasmania. No, yeah, I will say that an option they could have gone if there was no COVID or anything like that. I mean, COVID is the reason they're moving in the first place, but... Mm. Throw that all out the window. I would love to see a game at Bank West. Yeah, well, that was because the other they, thing New South Wales was yeah, trying to do. Yeah, they would front, literally. It, it would because Suncorp's very viewer friendly as far as every seat in the house you can see. ANZ sucks. Reality of it. I've never yeah, been it's... to Country Bank Stadium. ANZ legitimately sucks a lot to watch a football game, especially if you're up top. Um, Bank West from what I've heard from people up there, when you're on the top, it literally seems like you're looking down from a bird's eye view of it. Mm. And that's what the Queensland fan, Queensland players would have to deal with. New South Wales literally on top of them because they reckon it's one of the best viewing stadiums oh, yeah. in Australia. Um, so with that that would be cool. If it was that well, bad. you look at the three most, three most recently built rugby league stadiums after Suncorp with Seabus, so Gold Coast, um, Bankwest and Townsville all small rectangular stadiums based on Suncorp because Suncorp yeah. 
There's literally one bad seat in the house and I've sat behind it where there's a rail in front of you. And that was for the origin game where Greg English steamrolled Gaznia down the sideline. Um, Seabus is awesome. And Bankwest has improved upon that. And Townsville looks awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, so what's, what's a better bet? Uh, the New South Wales bus has pineapples thrown at it on the way to the stadium or um, the ref is so scared for his life that all of these crackdowns go out the window. Um, What's a better bet? Or is that, e- yeah, is that even money? I, I, I'm in, yeah, I'm really curious about what Brad Fittler does because originally or throughout history, the New South Wales team driven the bus down Caxton. Yes. Will they do something that lets the millions of inbred fans up in North oh, get it out of this. Get in their face. There's no one in from Brit- New South Wales is allowed up there, so you don't have to worry yeah. about that. It's just um, going to be right. In New I, South Wales, I Origin Camp, Kalamatangi's been called in on standby due to injury still to pain Haas that needs to be overcome. Um, all right. Moving ahead. So the games, there are actually four games on this weekend in the NRL. And one each day, Thursday through to Sunday. Uh, the first game being Dragons versus Broncos down at Jubilee Stadium at 7.50 Thursday night. So changes to both squads here based on injuries, return from suspension and also origin. So for St. George, Matt Dufty returns from his shoulder injury and Josh Kerr makes a return from suspension. They both go straight into the starting Lineups, uh, Josh Kerr on one edge, Dufty at fullback. That shifts Cody Ramsey back to the wing. Uh, Braden Williami goes back into the centres. Ravalawa is back from his suspension, slotting in on the wing, Jordan Pereira being dropped. In the forward pack, uh, Jack Bird has moved from centre to second row, which I really like. Um, and then onto the interchange, a one JDB, Jack DeBellin, back in the NRL after pretty much a two-year hiatus. Um, so a fair few changes there. I kind of like the the look of this dragon side, especially the fact that they hold on to Corey Norman and Ben Hunt in the halves, Andrew McCulloch um, at hooker, and with Dufty returning. The, the Broncos, a fair few changes here. Selwyn Cobbo will be making his debut on the wing um, in place of Xavier Coates. Um, Albert Kelly... Remains at 5'8", with Tyson Gamble coming back in from his suspension with Anthony Milford being dropped. Matt Lodge is at prop with Thomas Flegler, who's taking Payne Haas's position. Alex Glenn returns from injury at the second row, and Asiata comes off the bench into the starting lock position, with TC Rabadi coming onto the interchange. Uh, also, Ankeenan Palacia is dropping back to the bench to allow for Alex Glenn to move in. Is that everything? Yep. Um, how would you feel if you're Corey Oates? So oh. Selwyn, Selwyn Cobbo comes in to make his debut with a free wing position there. Oh, I... I'm I so sick of Kevin Walters. <laughs> I don't understand. Whoa. The Broncos have not won at Nested at Jubilee since 1998. Wow. That's Jared wasn't even born too. then. How old do you think I am? I don't know. We're just I was somewhere. five, but I was still I was born. Oh, um, yeah. So you you're so old. Um, 
I was 10. <laughs> yeah, you're double my age at one point. Um, 22 years ago. Wow. So, I, Kev Wilder's just... I don't get him. I really don't. Like, is he... Corey Oates had a crack and he's been having a crack the whole time. He just doesn't like him. Someone else buy Corey Oates for me because he deserves to be playing NRL. He... And the worst thing about it is he deserves to be definitely to be in his bloody Broncos squad. I mean, come on. I just don't get it. I don't, see, I don't know anything about Selwyn Cobb. I haven't seen him play. I've heard these so very highly what rated saying and he's about on him. the Greg Inglis sort of build. Um, so what they're saying player, about him, but... he's a a mesh between Latrell Mitchell and Greg Inglis. Oh, geez, don't put pressure on him in such an outstanding side. Far out. Yeah, so see how that goes. I, yeah, I, I'm picking I, I'm picking Broncos in this, actually. I can't wait till a Caucasian family has a son and they call him Latrell Inglis. Just to see picking? how the media... You going Dragons? Things. Um, yeah, I will. Um, I could see the Broncos pulling off an upset with that random... You know how teams every now and then pull off a random victory with new players in and they just take people by surprise, but that also could have been the Broncos against the Roosters. Um, okay. I, I don't know how they're going to replace Payne Haas. He's the most important player in this team, even when he's injured and... The, the inclusion of Dufty and Ravalawa um, is big. And the fact that they might get Zach Lomax back next week is a is a bonus, yeah, for next week. See, I'm going the um, Dragons and $1.44, St. George favourites, Brisbane, $2.80. So pretty much double. Yeah. All right, Friday, 7.55. This should or could be actually a pretty fun game to watch now that Penrith have lost so many it makes it makes it kind of even <laughs> okay for this one this is West Tigers um, by the way Tigers versus Penrith at Leica. Uh second row Leilua is found not guilty of course um, he's going to walk in safe fast promoted the starting side to replace Joe Offahengawi um, and for Pemriff, here we go. Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, Brian Toto, Isaiah Yo, Liam Martin, Apisek, Coruscant, and Kirk Capel all way on origin duty. Um, Dylan Edwards goes to fullback and allows Stephen Crichton back in the centres, which is a massive thing for the experience side of things. Um, Robert Jennings on the wing. Tyro May will play halfback and Mitch Kenny, the new hooker. Step Matt Burden is going to go play six. Um, so... Their replacements are pretty good. So you got Scott Sorensen and Matt Eisenhoof replacing Isaiah Yeo and Liam Martin, which isn't bad. And Jamin Salmon, Jermaine Hopgood, and Lindsay Smith and Isaac Targo. Targo. Um, yeah, so it's not a bad squad still. Um, obviously, what makes it a bit easier is the fact that Tigers haven't actually lost anyone other than Offahengawi, which... I'm going to say it, he hasn't been in great form this year. Yeah, he said he was Honestly. shocked that he got picked, so. Yeah. So, I, I'm not sure you're going to swing the Tigers here. I reckon they're going to break the streak. So, Lindsay Smith and Isaac Targo are both making their debut for Penrith. And yeah. 
it's interesting in that, yeah, Tyrone May comes in and Matt Burton shifts to his usual spot and you've got Momoros. Like, you look at that back line, everyone in that back line is playing their regular position except for Tyrone May, who literally, I don't know what his regular position is, probably no, five he's, he's a six. Yeah, so everyone else in that back line, even though they're not their usual starters, are still playing their main positions, as is Eisenhuth and Sorensen. Um, remembering yeah. Absolute Coruscant could still come back into this Penrith side? No. Why not? He will not. He'll get released. He's not the 18th no. man. Yeah, he's the 18th man. Oh, he's eight. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Um. See, I said, like, even with all those players out, it makes it even. And Penrith, to me, looks like they have a better team. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going Tigers to break the streak here. Um, I reckon they're... If, if they're on their day, um, obviously, they're going to... Tiger, uh, a lot of what Penrith do comes off Cleary touching the ball four times in one play. Mm. So... They're going to miss ball very playing um, with Yale not being there and Eisenhuth being in. Penrith have won yeah. seven of their past eight against the Tigers. North Illumina needs two tries to equal the club try-scoring record. Um, West Tigers are outsiders at $2.80 with Penrith at $1.44. Um, same odds as the Broncos and St. George game. Um, I'm going the Tigers as well. And Oof. this is my value bet of the weekend. I've got a multi with the Tigers winning, but Stephen Crichton to score a try at any time. And that's paying at $7.82. So I'm going to put $10 on that with the Tigers to You're win. You're betting more than money that I have. You're betting more money than I actually have. Yeah, you've got $4 left. Um, I'm going to have a rest on my betting this week just because I need to reevaluate a few things. You're not um, allowed to do that. That's not in I the am. contract. <laughs> okay, next game. Uh, up at our neck of the woods on the sunny coast. Oh, is it really? Uh, yep, Storm versus oh, Gold what? Coast. Oh, my God, uh, that. NRL Royalties, the There's Prince of Gold Coast, is playing. Jaden Campbell is making oh, yeah. his debut at fullback. Oh, that's why they were in Overtel Twin Waters. All the teachers from my, all the heads of department and principals and stuff went to a PD there over the weekend and saw all the Storm players. Okay, righto. Um, yeah. For this one, obviously, Kenny Bromwich is fit to play and will replace um, Felice Cafusi in the second row. Pretty handy replacement to come in. Yep. Um, Dino Rima covers Josh Adakar. Um, Cooper John's named at 5'8", and Nelson Solomon starts at front row. Chris Lewis begin the game on the interchange. Um, Riley Jacks is back on the extended bench. Storm won oh, six yeah. from six at Sunny Coast Stadium. Ash Taylor returns an injury to par- partner Jamal Fodigini in the halves with understudy Tanner Boyd pushed back the extended bench while Tyron Peachy is being content with the interchange spot on his return from suspension. Um, okay, Preston Campbell's son Jaden starts again. Thank you. Uh, Joseph Vuna, young brother of former Knight Cooper, Cooper Vuna, on his bench for his first NRL game. Jermaine Jolliffe, his pretty good replacement, replaces Fodder Waker in the front row. Um, and Sam Stone covers David Fafida in the second row. Sam McIntyre goes in the number 13 over Tino Fasimawali. 
Um, so on the bench, you got Whitbread, Peachy, um, Vuna, and Aaron Clark on the interchange bench. Um, so it's Jaden Campbell's debut, by the way, as well. I said that three times. Um, oh, said you, it sounded like you said he was coming back. Um, I, I no. wouldn't be surprised with a late switch of Peachy starting at lock and McIntyre moving to the interchange. Uh, yeah. Because Peachy's I'm been going, playing lock before he got suspended. So I think the way, because Jaden Campbell is supposed to be a carbon copy of his father, he's debuting against the Melbourne team. Who, let's face it, do not tolerate players like that and shut them down quite easily. Their defensive pressure is insane um, on players. You're very, very talented if you can step through this Melbourne defence. I I hope he does. That'd be awesome. I love love the idea of his son playing. Uh Um, It was actually really funny. I was watching a show a couple of nights ago with Ray Hadley on it. And he's like, I'm going to be commentating people I used to commentate's grandsons sooner rather than later, how young these guys are coming through. Cool. That's um, your that's your role, that's your sign to retire, mate. <laughs> so I am going storm. I reckon they're gonna shit it in this game. They've still got, you know, Jesse Bromwich, Asafa Solomona, Kenny Bromwich, Dale Fanukin, you know, Jerome Hughes is in form. Ash Taylor has He's back, but I don't rate him. Um, and if there's any criticism about the Gold Coast, is their defensive efforts a shit house? Yeah. Um, so on NRL.com, when they do the team list, at the end of each team write-up, they have like stats and that sort of thing. Uh, the stat that they use for the Titans kind of shows how much hope they're giving this team because it's something usually pretty extraordinary. And what they've written for the Titans is. The Titans have the best goal kicking percentage in the NRL at eighty five point four percent. That's the, that's their stat, and Melbourne's is Melbourne have won six from six at Sunshine Coast Stadium. So you're like, well, Titans are relying on goal kicking. Something weird, like something that you would not expect out of this. Um, you look at the outs. Titans have double the players in Origin that the Storm do. Is that weird? Yeah. No, it's usually remember the Queensland teams of dominance was pretty much Storm and Broncos and a couple of others. Yeah, but saying that too, like in this one, they've got Brimson for feeder, Fodawake, and Fasamali. Yeah, so this, so like, I know it's just, it's just how much the times have changed. Melbourne are still as good as they are in the comp, and they're only losing two to Origin. That shows how solid their squad is. Origin won't be a question mark for them anymore. Nope. So, yeah, Storm, obviously, favourites in this $1.10 to $7 for the Titans. Storm. Storm. Yeah. And last, I, I, might, I might go to that game, actually. I can't. i got things on. Um, okay. Uh, so the last one she have done, too. So, meh. Uh, Knights versus Eels. No, no, but you did two in a row. Knights versus Eels, Sunday, 4 o'clock at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. You um, child. So, for the Knights... Tex Hoyer retains his fullback position with Galen Ponga still out injured. Uh, looking at the rest of the back line, Connor Watson is playing at six. Uh, Brain Musgrove, Brayden Best, Tawa, they were all there last week. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, in the back, in the forwards, sorry, Swaso Sue starts with David Clemmer out suspended. 
Uh, Jacob Saifidi starts in place of his brother, who is in state of origin. Brody Jones comes into the second row to replace Tyson Frizzell. On the interchange, you have Kurt Mann, Jack Johns, Simi yes. Sasaji, and Josh King. Uh, in the reserves, though, look at this name, Jake Clifford. Um, no, I don't expect any of the other three, but it'll be interesting to see if Clifford's a late inclusion and what they will then do, whether Crossland goes to six and Watson goes to the interchange or whether he's using the Ford. I, I, am, I don't know. I have a theory on this. Um, I could be wrong depending Clifford on goes, all right. Clifford goes to halfback. Uh, Phoenix Crossland goes to 5'8". Connor Watson goes to lock. Barnett goes to the second row. No. Damn it. I have a theory about this, and it's going back to um, actually Blake Green. So when Mitchell Pierce tore his peck, Blake Green was having his first game of the year on the bench. Uh, He was not expected. uh, No, uh, Adam Mm O'Brien did not plan to put him on the field till what the fifty-fifth minute or something. Mm -hmm. Like that was his exact minute-to-minute plan, even though Pierce got injured. Adam O'Brien is very to sticking to the plan. I would be very surprised if Jake Clifford even plays this game. All right, cool. For that reason, yeah. All right, so for Parramatta, they have only lost Junior Paulo to Origin, which when you look at the squad that they've got is surprising because there are a number of players who have either played Origin or on the fringe. Um, but outside of Junior Paulo, they've only lost Blake Ferguson. Well, they haven't lost it. He was dropped. So the rest of the side is pretty much the same. Hayes Dunster comes into uh, the wing position, vacated by Blake Ferguson. Wanga Blake and Tom Opacek switch sides. Um, so you've got Wanga Blake paired up with a brand new player on that wing position. So that could be interesting. Um, in the forwards, uh, Murata Neokore comes in to start a prop, taking Junior Paulo's position. Um, That's so cool. He used to play in a, He played center a month ago. Yeah, and he was second row last year. Probably uh, he, Madison, and Nathan Brown are the back row and lock. Will Smith is back and takes a spot on the interchange. And remembering Reed Money has been released by Queensland, so he is starting hooker. Jacob Arthur has dropped to reserves. Uh, which is fair based on his form, in my opinion. Um, I'm just having a look here. In a, yeah, it's Hayes Dunster's first start of the season. Yeah, and it is Will Smith's first um, game back with from his thumb injury. Oh, Mitch Moses requires six points for 800 points in the NRL. I, I am. I'm. I'm actually really happy for Swaso Sue here. Um, I reckon he's been our buyer the season this year, and for him to get a starting spot, I think it's well deserved. Since um, Newcastle have won four from six at McDonald Jones, and I swear they yeah, I was very there. surprised by that. Yeah. Um, okay, so for oh, this one, you're going to have oh, Newcastle at three forty-five. Sorry, Power at dollar thirty. Yeah, so you're going to come up with a team that's lost three of three of its best forwards, but you're going to. Also, you're going to see a very a team who's been struggling in attack for the entire year in Newcastle, versus a team who's going to be struggling in who's been struggling in defence in Para. Brad and Best will be attacking their right hand side all game, and it'd be interesting if the opposing centre can do just as good as a job as Morgan Harper mm-hmm. did on him last week. 
Um, but where I see Parramatta winning this game is that their attacks really work really good. Uh-huh. They've got pretty good halves there. Our defense is not flash. And Dylan Brown's back. I, did I, I didn't yeah. say that, did I? Yeah, so look, I'm suspension. picking Knights because it's Knights. Um, but if Parramatta... That is an easy tip for me. Sweet. <laughs> Parramatta have their off day. Um, was, I mean, uh, how, how, would it, how would it be for Newcastle to knock off Parramatta and Manly in consecutive weeks? The two 1947 rivals well, would be bad for... I, I actually... Because this is what my thing was. I said this about a month ago. If Newcastle can win two out of the next four with... It's round 13 now. New, uh, Mitchell Pierce is due back in round 15. That's when David Clemmer will be back as well. Uh-huh. Um, they'll be missing Tyson. Jeez, as well. what did but you think tonight? <laughs> if they can swing out... Um, they can swing another win in the next two games before Pierce keeps him in touch with the eight. That's, that's, that's not too bad. Look... I'm picking Newcastle, but if Parramatta bring their elite attack, I think with the cattle missing for Newcastle, I don't think they're going to be able to handle it. Yeah, like, if when Parramatta you look at, bring their below average attack, they'll win. Um, also, <laughs> if honesty. you look at Newcastle's bench, they don't actually have a front row on the bench. Isn't Josh King a front row? Oh, it's Josh King playing to me. Oh, yeah, well, he's yeah, on the they got one. One front row on the bench. Jacob Safidi is only going to last 20. It's Jack so Johns, isn't he a half? Jack Johns, he's a second rower. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, you're going to have... Yeah, I think Sawaso Sue is going to have to push out some big minutes. Um, I don't know yeah, how they're going he to was going this. Like, All right, cool. Yeah. So <laughs> we're both going St. George. We're both going Tigers. We're both no, going I'm going Storm. Broncos. Oh, you're going Broncos. Okay. Um, yeah. Both going Storm, both going Tigers. Uh, you're going Knights, I'm going Para. Uh, I'm going St. George, you're going Brisbane. All right, that's uh, all the games for the weekend. Um, I was thinking, because it's a shorter what? episode, kind of, that we hold do... Up, hold up, hold up, hold Sorry. up. Extra seats are being installed in Queensland Country Bank Stadium after like Origin it. 1 sold out in two minutes. Add a... Look at that. Well done, NRL. Um, wait, I'm looking at... Is there a link here to get tickets? There we go, buy tickets. I'm going to see if there's any tickets to Storm Titans game. Anyway, so if you haven't... If you're a new listener and you've stuck with us this long, congratulations. Um, if we do have shorter episodes because Jared and I waffle every now and then, we do have little quiz shows sometimes or little games. Um, this one's one that I've taken from an ice hockey podcast I listen to, which is called Overrated and Underrated, Favourite, Least Favourite. And uh, we do a topic and we name it based on our favorite, least favorite, overrated, underrated, etc. Um, from today, there's seven weeks and two days until the Summer Olympics kick off in Tokyo, if it still goes ahead. But at this stage, it is. So I thought the topic for tonight could be Summer Olympic events or sports. What do you reckon? Okay. Um. So let's start with overrated. Overrated summer Olympic event or sport? Um, shot put. I never liked shot put. You think it's overrated though? That means that, yeah, just like for something to be overrated, it actually has to be rated higher than you believe it should be. Yeah, it's rated higher than I believe it should be. Like you're, you're having to put something 
that in a Is way that you that shot something. I believe you shot the put. Oh, you're when a you put the um, shot. I don't know. No, so you shot something. Shot a put in a way that who's a dickhead who thought that way is the best way of shooting it. Well, this is a, it's one of the ancient events. It's uh, oh, uh, well, the ancient event means nothing anymore. It's crap. You got bloody touch playing in there now. Touch footy. Yeah, that's in the Olympics now. I'm pretty sure. No, it's not. um, that's definitely not. I've so I think shot put was maybe because I was a skinny child and can never do it right. But this sounds more like a this this sounds more like a least favorite to you. <laughs> No, 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 I just think it's overrated. Like, it's, it's, it's I, I would never sit down and watch a shot put, but people seem to be really keen on it. All right. Uh, my yeah. overrated uh, Olympic event is swimming. I love a race. I really do. Um, however, the fact that you can, you can, um, there's just, it's the same event. There's just different distances, um, but the same person can compete in all the different distances. I, I just, and that makes them better than everybody else. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just considering Usain Bolt won the 100, 200, and 400. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I know I just find swimming <laughs> so much. I actually really it, like it. Takes, it, it takes longer to get to the climax. Like you're watching a 400 meter race, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, this is gonna be great!" In the last 50 meters, um, hey, I, I, I figure in your track record, you'd rather a long climax. I think that was an attempt at Jared doing a joke, so I'll, I'll give him credit for trying. Um, so even when Ian thought like it was a 400 meters, you knew he was going to win, but you had like four minutes to go get a coffee or something because you only had to watch the last lap. I don't know. It, it just takes over all the channels and I believe that there are other more exciting and more skillful events on than swimming. What would you rather, shot put or... Oh, I'd rather shot put because it, it yeah, I just prefer shot put. I just think swimming's so overrated. Um, okay. Yeah, we can have least of it. I don't, I don't hate it. I do enjoy watching. I just think it's pushed down our throats way too much. Um, underrated. You know what? Honestly, I don't like any of the Olympics. <laughs> what? I am not. When the Olympics come around, I watch the finals of stuff. Oh, I won't be on. sleeping. I, I, I honestly don't even know what's happening. I, I it's not a thing for me. That's not even um, an answer. What's the most underrated? There's nothing thing? underrated. It's all where it's at, except Shopport, which is overrated. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of most of the Olympics. Well, this is a stupid topic, then. You, you, you've got to you've got no, to no. have something that's underrated. Come on. Oh, okay. You go first, and I'll think of it. All right, underrated. I, I still believe um, in, in Australia, European handball. It yeah, is, I, it is yeah. brilliant. It's one of I I've introduced it at each school I've taught at. My students love it. It is it's one of the sports that I think more Australians should watch at the Olympics, and it should be shown on our TVs more often because it has everything that mo- that Australian sport fans love. It's fast. It's exciting. It requires athleticism. Um, there's a, lots of scoring and shooting. Um, if you have no idea what European handball is, 
think of futsal goals, the indoor soccer goals, but you're throwing the ball. And so it's kind of like a cross between futsal and water polo. So it's like water polo on land, if that if that gives you any idea, but you can um, not tackle, but you can wrap up people. It, it's, well, I think it just doesn't get the coverage it, re- it needs in Australia. There's an entire Champions League of European handball in Europe, very similar to soccer. It's huge over there and it's, okay. it could have been my favourite, but I'm going to put it underrated. Oh, I agree because I love what, I used to love playing that in high school. I think you actually taught me in high school doing that. You know how I, um, I we my brother and I um, went to the Sydney Olympics with my dad, yes, and we watched European handball live. And because it was in Australia, Australia was allowed to enter a team, and we got demolished. But it was as a twelve-year-old watching it live. I'd never seen the sport before, and it was amazing. And then I competed at uni games in European handball. Because oh, don't say you competed in that. You were hung over the entire time. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why we chose it because we thought, hey, no one's going to take this sport seriously. Um, <laughs> we rocked up very to play. Bad yeah, we got there with two cartons of beer, um, a boom box that I was carrying on my shoulder. Our outfits were fluoro orange and purple um, leopard print. And we literally walked in and every other team stop what they were doing to look at us when we walked in and we looked around and we went they have goalie gloves they actually brought their own european handballs i'm pretty sure that goalie's wearing a box these guys are taking this very seriously and we found out that in our first game we were versing a shooter on the australian team um i drew the short straw as goalie and our goalie outfit was an orange morph suit and because we didn't have a box I shoved about six shirts down my into my suit. And from memory, we were down 30 to four at half time. And I wasn't goalie for much longer. We won one okay. game that week against an all girls Catholic university from Canberra. I've got an underrated sport. Um, That's such a random such story. A I'm sorry for sticking with you. Yeah, uh, this might be a bit funny, but I reckon boxing. Um, so. There's, a, there's an argument in the Olympics that amateurs, it's a lot of crap because it's not the best in the world for it. But I, I, I kind of agree with it that amateurs should be doing it because, you know, the best boxers in the world aren't, aren't in it to box anymore. They're in it for money. And that's where mm-hmm. the boxing world's gone right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping an amateur boxer gets his, the respect they deserve to go on to a really good career bouncing off the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and I, like I think that. it should be given. Finger should be given a bit more respect on on where it's at because right now, especially in Australia, the boxing fraternity is absolutely shit house. Oh, I don't know. We've we've got um, Tim Zuzu in a pretty good spot. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like you know, Zarafat has pulled out on him. Um, Justice Hooney's going to the Olympics. I'm not a big fan of that. Just the way he started off this year. Um, and I don't know if that's him or that manager of his because I'm actually in Gallon's corner on this one. I think um, that manager's kind of screwing young fella over. But that's another story for another day. So I'm, my favorite I'm, Olympian boxer is Muhammad Ali. Yeah. So and you know what? You, you know what? You wouldn't. I, I I wouldn't even know he went to the Olympics because, but he springboarded off the Olympics because he had to start there as an amateur, which is awesome. So sure. yeah. All right. Um, Favorite, favorite, mm. swimming. 
Oh my god, really? <laughs> no, honestly, um, only because it, it it comes back to like, okay, so I remember waking up, and this is this is a bit different. Waking up halfway through the fifteen hundred meters, but it's still going. <laughs> no, so I remember waking up early. You remember when I got my head shaved after footy? Yes. That it was hideous. Don't yeah. ever do it again. Yeah, it was hideous. I look like Mr. Burns. I digress. That that morning was actually when Usain Bolt won the hundred meter in um, was it Rio? Oh, um, yeah, I was like in New Zealand. No, no. Well, you were yeah. So was it London? Two thousand twelve. Yeah. Two thousand sixteen. Might have been 2012 or 16. I can't remember which one it was. It was 2016, five years ago. We, were, we, we, went, we played our last game of footy. Mm. We're at our mate's place. We got very, mm. very drunk. Right. Next morning, I got my head shaved. It was a team photo day, which is mm-hmm. still hung up on the Palms Rugby League Clubhouse. Oh, my God. Horrendous. Um, but I do remember waking up and watching that. But when I was younger, Dad actually used to... Um, make us get us to watch the swimming and i remember really fond memories of in fort michael Clark. oh yeah hell yeah. yeah and that's and like i said i don't watch them because i don't go out of my way but when i was younger watching all that i really really that's a, just a good memory for me sentimental yeah and for that it's my favorite sport because i don't actually like the olympics yeah, right. It's got a sentimental memory for me. I kind of I kind of like your answer actually. Um to me there's only one answer to this and it's the 100 meter sprint. Um it's it's the blue ribbon event of the Olympics. It's the epitome of athletics um in any sport, the fact that the only technology available to you is your shoes and you are literally the fastest person in history if you can win this. And there's not No, not many... win this, break the world record. Break the world record, yeah. But there's there's very few athletic pursuits that have had such a recorded history than the 100 metres. Four years of training for, you hope, less than 10 seconds of effort. And the fact that I've never been there and it's still a... It's still a uh, bucket list event the the buzz and the anticipation and the pressure within an olympic stadium before the 100 meter event um from how people have described it is unlike anything yeah and the whole olympics goes for a week and a half or whatever till the 100 meter final and regardless of what comes after that it never lives up to it and and it's just there's nothing in sports that replicates that it's not like a, a Super Bowl or an NRL grand final where there's 80 minutes. It's less than 10 seconds and everyone holds their breath for it. It's just do you know, But do you know what amazing. I like about sports? So, you know, State of Origin is coming up. You can make a mm. night out of it. Um, oh, yeah. Swimming, you know, on the night of the finals, mm. you, you, got, you can watch a whole night of it. I think you can do that for the 100 metres. Well, 100 metres, I wouldn't... Like, for example, if... You asked me to come to State of Origin and drive down to your house and watch it. And then, yeah, yeah I wouldn't do that for the 100 metres. Yeah, there wouldn't be a night of it. We'd have a night leading up to it. And you'd, no matter how much you drank, you'd still probably remember the entire race. <laughs> oh, no, that's what, that's what I said before. I actually rem- I still remember when Usain Bolt won in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we all got up at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in yeah. the morning after a full night of drinking. 
Um, it was I better for me because I was in New Zealand. I had an extra yeah. couple. Yeah, so I, rem- I remember that. Um, but, like, yeah, so I'm not a big fan of the Olympics, to be honest. All right. Uh, least favourite. Sorry. Least favourite. Yeah, least favourite. Least favourite. Can I say shop out, shop put again? No. You, um, well, you could have actually put that. This would make more sense for you to put it now because I don't believe yeah. it's ever rated for it to be overrated to start with. <laughs> but, um, um, okay, I'll come up with something new. Um, I know you, you put yours in first. I'll oh, think I've got, see, I've got a group. <laughs> uh, any, any sport where the Olympics isn't the epitome. Like if, it, if it's not the ultimate... So you're putting boxing down? Um, no, because boxing isn't... Prof- it, it's amateur boxing. For amateur boxing, this is the elite thing you can win. I'm talking about things like soccer. If you're a soccer player growing oh, okay. up, your goal is to win the World Cup, not to win Olympic gold, and it's an under-23 thing. If you're a tennis player, your goal is to win Wimbledon or the French Open, not to win Olympic gold. It's awesome if you do. Like Federer said, he's always wanted to win Olympic gold, and he got it in doubles, not in singles. But soccer tennis um any of those sort of oh, team um, sports that have well. a oh, i love a question we want to watch that um, yeah but it wouldn't be it'd be in the same bracket no 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 it's the... a question like an olympic gold if you can get that in in teams or cross okay. country that's huge now i'm talking okay. about things that have their own like major yeah. major events um I'd prefer to see squash in the olympics than tennis i'd prefer to see yeah. futsal in the olympics and soccer um those sort of sports, I just have no interest in watching them at the Olympic level because I believe they're not the epitome of this sport. Like golf got introduced and the golf was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool to win an Olympic gold medal. That's not what the Olympics is about. It's not meant to be. It's pretty cool. It's I've achieved the ultimate in my sport. And that's the point of these sports. The majority of them are... Um, amateur sports that uh unless you're elite 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 you don't make a living out of like taekwondo or well you can still depend on where you are in the world but yeah any of those sports i will i'll choose fencing over tennis any day of the week at the olympics because i can see tennis they're not there for the right reasons if 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 the wimbledon was on the same time as the olympics there'd be no professionals at the olympics they'd be all at wimbledon yeah exactly and yeah nothing against the sport themselves it's just in the setting that they're at um they're my Probably least the best answer for that um ah oh, look most I, I, i'm go because i don't it's not my favorite event the olympics um there's two things i would never watch I mean, and one of them is not even the sport. I don't see the point in the opening ceremony. Um, <laughs> that shits me to tears. That shits me to tears. But one thing I would never sit down and watch. My least favorite um, thing in the Olympics is the registration before each event. I hate <laughs> watching the marshalling. No, the, the thing I never watch, and I don't, I, I can't even give you a justification why. Like, People hate cricket because they just can't watch it. I cannot watch shooting. I just oh, can't do it. I so cannot weird. do it. I are, you talking about air, are you talking about like the air pistol where they're inside or like the clay pigeon shooting? I, any of it. I, I just, I'm not interested in it at all. I just... Because I t- ah, you're you know you're coming down. Watch. We're taking three days in a row off work 
you're coming down. We're gonna we're gonna get a keg and we're just gonna sit in my then media room. I hope, um, and just watch Olympics and sleep, and that's all we're gonna do. Righto, I'll do that. Um, cool. That's done. Uh, when is the Olympics? Uh, I said seven weeks and two days. Okay, I'll I'll take a Friday off. We'll go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but I'm not watching shooting. All right, let's watch shooting. Okay, <laughs> and on that um, on that note, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Six Again podcast. Uh, thank you for those who continue to get in touch with the show. I do believe we had a comment sent through this week, and I've completely blanked on it, so I'm going to have to bring that up on the next episode. Shoot us through some voice messages. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, I've been annoying a lot of people this week. It's been lots of fun. Um, if you're going to the Melbourne Storm Gold Coast game, uh, shoot us a DM and we might even do a meet and greet over there and um, I'll see what merch I can get my hands on before the game and uh, we'll go from there until, what are we going to do? Sunday night, Monday morning. Um, have a good one and stay safe. Yeah, oh, just so everyone knows, tune into the next podcast. There's going to be some pretty good news coming out of the next one. Oh, yeah. Origin. It's going to be sick. All right. Yeah. Oh, other news. Other news. All right. Cool. Uh, We'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.